This is the I Am A Mainframer podcast, brought to you by the Linux Foundation's Open Mainframe Project. Episodes explore the careers of mainframe professionals and offer insights into the industry and technology. Now your host, Senior Analyst and Vice President of Sales and Business Development at Futurum Research, Stephen Dickens. Hello and welcome. My name's Stephen Dickens. And I'm joined today by Lisa Dyer from Insono. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming on. So before we get started here, let's just get orientated. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do for Insono. Sure. So I run the mainframe and power systems managed service business for Insono. That means we are a managed service provider. And... Um, we do all the hard stuff on behalf of our clients that may be non-differentiated for them um, so that they can focus on the more differentiating stuff that drives their business. I love that, the hard stuff. Yeah, the hard stuff. <laughs> so, and there's a lot of it. <laughs> so, so just let's maybe break that down a little bit. So what, I, I know your business, I've known it, you guys for a while. Where do you fit? We've got a lot of people who listen to the show who come at this from various different angles. Just give us a couple of minutes on what Ensono does for its clients. So Ensono, uh, our portfolio includes um, the management, the day-to-day -day management, and the design, the build, uh, the optimization, the modernization across every single platform that exists, essentially from mainframe to the public clouds and everything in between. And our client base consists of just about every segment uh, in both the private sector and the and the public sector. Um, we have clients who are um, very large and we have clients who are, you know, in the 500 million or so turnover range. Um, so it's, it's generally speaking the brands that everybody would recognize. Mm -hmm. um, and in the public sector, of course, the, the U.S. states that you would recognize. Fantastic. And We've got to know each other over the last few months, but mm -hmm. you're not a mainframer of long standing. The show's <laughs> called I'm a Mainframer, but you come into the platform with a sort of relatively fresh perspective. So maybe just give us a little bit of your story arc, how you got into the platform, kind of what roles you've done before, because I'm always really fascinated to interview people who are kind of see themselves as a mainframer now, but are relatively new to the platform. Yeah, I mean, you, you may as well call me, you know, you could call me a mainframer, you could call me a clouder, you could call me a blockchainer, you could, you know, the list goes on. I'm a technologist. And I've dedicated my entire career uh, to applying technology and helping others apply technology to drive their business. That That is, for me, what it's all about. Um, so 20 plus years uh, building digital platforms, web apps, mobile apps, API products, digital properties, you name it, on every imaginable platform until, um, or, uh, you know, um, retake. I've been building digital platforms, web apps, mobile apps, API products, digital properties, you name it, on every imaginable platform besides, wait for it, the mainframe. Um, so We knew we'd get you eventually. It's, it's hard to escape. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe I need one of those license plates that says, 
I wasn't born on the mainframe, but I got there as fast as I can. <laughs> um, two and a half years ago, um, uh, I had been, uh, after being in many, many different startups and you know, publicly traded, privately traded companies, uh, including one of them be, uh, being IBM. I got acquired into IBM from a startup, uh, spent a few th years there. And then after that, went back into the startup business. Uh, two and a half years ago, I was asked by our uh, chief strategy officer to come and run the mainframe line of business. Well, first of all, I'm not, I'm not really building new products, which is what I did in my entire career, right? I'm taking all these capabilities that other people build and creating managed services around that. So as a product manager, which is what I am, I consider myself, it was kind of a new thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a huge landscape to learn. Uh, but ultimately, to me, a platform is a platform is a platform. They're all designed to meet specific use cases and, and to provide specific capabilities for those. So having most recently built stuff in the public cloud, uh, it was not as big of a leap as you might imagine for me to learn about, well, what's the mainframe great at? What's it uniquely capable of? I think that's an interesting perspective. So much myth and kind of shrouding of this platform in some of the historical context makes it from the outside in for those who haven't come to the platform of this is weird. I'm not going to understand it. A phrase I use is we worship different gods and we speak in different tongues. You know, people kind of look, come in and they say this thing is kind of unusual. But it's really interesting to hear your perspective, and I subscribe to the same thing of ultimately the disciplines are the same, the same requirements are there, a virtual machine means the same thing. Right. You know, People can get their heads around what a logical partition is pretty carefully, uh -huh. pretty easily. Yeah. You know, Hooking boxes together in a Sysplex configuration, well, that's just a cluster of mainframes. You know, I think we in the mainframe space often use a set of words that don't naturally translate to the to the sort of distributed and cloud world but when you fundamentally break down what these things are you know if you explain zvm to somebody and go it's a virtual machine mm -hmm. management platform like um vmware they go oh okay yeah i get that oh yeah. that's it i mean Yes, how you administer it may be different, but people kind of fundamentally get it. Has that been your experience coming in? Have you kind of been able to do that sort of Rosetta Stone translation almost? Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, the differences start to convey themselves when you get into the nitty gritty, mm -hmm. uh, right? Yeah. Um, and once you understand kind of the, the differences in architecture, the capability is the same, but you, you're scaling vertically versus horizontally, right? But when you get into the nitty gritty, then you, then you stumble upon these things like the data format is an EPSIDEC and, you know, over here it's something else, right? So it's, it's just a different format for the same or very similar thing. Yeah. And what's been the biggest revelations as you've come over? You know, you it's always interesting, as I say, to introduce, to interview people who've got a new perspective to this platform, whether that's 
a college graduate who's coming in for the first time, a developer who's coming and transitioning over. But I'd be really interested to understand from your perspective, kind of, I get the impression you've got a big systems kind of architectural type view. What's been that sort of revelation coming in? Um, you know, I think one thing that I believe I'm seeing and hearing is a change in the tone of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I obviously didn't live through the, 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 the conversations during the eighties and the nineties when people thought, Oh, the mainframe's dead, you know, <laughs> you know long live the brain. But, um, but I think I'm, I'm picking up on a change in tone where the tone was it's either this or it's that. It's either public cloud or it's mainframe kind of thing to a it's a this and that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I'm I think I'm seeing is a regeneration of Z talent. Mm-hmm. And just expand on that when you say, I mean, I think most of the people who listen to the show would be aware of, you know, skills, gaps, whether they're mm-hmm. perceived or real, yeah. you know, the silver haired generation starting to age out right. uh, of the platform. Mm-hmm. What's be, I mean, that's, I feel we self perpetuate that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see a lot more younger professionals coming to the platform What's been your sort of fresh set of eyes as you've come in? You've probably inherited a, a, a relatively large staff at Insono. What's been your experience? Um, so we, at Insono, we have our own mainframe academy. So mm-hmm. we bring in, um, we bring in, a, I think, a, about 50 people every year uh, who are either new career seekers Um either straight out of college or in the second career, new to the mainframe. We also have a, a similar one in the, in the cloud. Um, or we have advanced tracks where you're mid-career and you're, you're, you're beefing up your, your skills and you're adding, adding more sort of, you know, you may have the traditional skills, I'll call them, and then you're adding more to mm-hmm. your toolkit. Um, and we have our... our most senior people mentor the most junior people along the way. Yeah. Um, what I've just zooming it, zooming out, kind of looking at the at the market um, to the point of you know the story. Once upon a time was oh the mainframe is going to be unplugged you know whenever it was you know I think it seemed to have divided the market into two camps those who had evidence based on their own expertise that that was not going to happen, they continued to invest. Mm-hmm. And in continuing the investment, they continued to invest in their people and their talent. Um, and I'm sure you know, you know, most big banks, for example, uh, other companies who absolutely rely on the mainframe for the foreseeable future have always had their own version of mainframe academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are those who believe that it was going away and didn't feel the need to make that investment. Um, and so what I'm seeing is um, there may now be a realization uh, for those who had sort of 
let their talent regeneration slow down or stop, that there is a need now to do that. And of course, as a managed service provider, we can help with that. Uh, we can help with that skill need, right? Um, is that a large part of your conversations with your clients? Obviously, there's a whole sort of spectrum of yeah. we could run it all for you through to, you know, maybe at the most lightweight, we could augment the team you've already got. Is that where a lot of your conversations start with those accounts that have maybe neglected skills and are now sort of having that come home to roost? So uh, the conversations that we have um, – always include, or I would say typically do include, um, the aspect of skills. Mm -hmm. They include other things. You know, what should we do? Should we, should we continue investing? How should we continue investing? Why should we continue investing? How can we make the most out of the mainframe that we have uh, in conjunction with the other stuff that we have, right? I don't think that we have many, if any, uh, clients currently who don't have at least two of those platforms uh, that are running their business. Um, so talent is, is always one of, the, one of the aspects, one of the conversations, and it's definitely one of the areas where we can provide immediate relief. I'd imagine one of the other conversation topics that comes up is a term, and I know when we spoke the other day, we sort of talked about it in detail, mainframe modernization. Oh. I, I joked with um, the CEO of Rocket the other evening that I got to spend to some time with, that if you ask 10 people about mainframe modernization, you'd get 11 different opinions. Um, yeah. So so I wonder, as a, as a phrase, you're probably uniquely placed at Insono to have a perspective that probably isn't, kind of in the stay on or get off camp what where are you seeing those dialogues with your clients and and kind of what obviously don't tell me anything you shouldn't i don't think yeah. you will but you know just maybe paraphrase some of those conversations well it's very similar to that this this or that versus this and that conversation mm -hmm. um you know mainframe modernization has kind of taken a, on a, a life of its own and taken a meaning depending on who you ask. Um, um, you know, I think it's almost, sometimes it's almost a misnomer because if you're talking about modernizing your applications, um, you may be doing it because you just don't have any more people who understand, for example, your, your PL1 code or your COBOL, whatever. You just, you don't have that tribal knowledge anymore. And so you're trying to figure out but it's still a core asset. You're trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, mainframe modernization uh, is far more than that. And so it's to us, it's you are modernizing applications and data. And there's so many different ways that you can take that. Um, but a, uh, an act of modernizing the mainframe can simply be using the latest mainframe because it unlocks new capabilities, um, you know, some of which are security related, um, mm -hmm. others are quantum related, you know, others are AI related. Um, and, and an act of moving up to the, to the latest stack 
can be an act of modernization in itself and optimization, I should add, mm-hmm. because you do get um, benefits. So I think the conversations that we typically have are, look, I've got, I've got my core assets, my crown jewels on my mainframe. Um, and I've got my systems of engagement over here on whatever other platform I have them on. And they're trying to find kind of the ideal sweet spot between, you know, where those workloads are and interconnecting them and make, making them play nice while trying to include a broader pool of their own talent to interact and integrate those systems, right? So, and, you know, a lot of the modernization stack is really evolving around enabling a broader um, talent space mm-hmm. to do just that, like REST APIs and, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, and, is, and is that kind of how you see them? As, I'll use a phrase, the modern mainframe, mm-hmm. and sitting as a core component within a, a hybrid cloud, a cloud native type deployment. It's you mentioned systems of engagement, and and I love that phraseology: system of engagement and system of record. Because I think for me, it brings through what you were talking about earlier around these platforms are built for particular things. Mm-hmm. It's not that one platform is better than another. It's just that they've got different use cases. Mm-hmm. I use the analogy of just because the car was invented doesn't mean the train is obsolete. Mm-hmm. They've just got different use cases. Is that really sort of and, – and I know we've spoken previously about the Insono point of view. Is that really kind of what you're seeing in the space? Of That's, that's kind of your advice to your clients of you should be looking at this holistically and saying, You've got this crown jewels platform, this system of record. How do you surround it with systems of engagement and API enable it? Well, absolutely. Our advice would be to look at it holistically. And we often start engagements by helping clients do exactly that, right? Let's understand everything that you have, not just from an infrastructure perspective, from an application and data and security perspective. Let's first make sure that you understand everything that you do have. And then let's look at, given the context that you have, given the business drivers um, that you are trying to achieve, let's figure out what is best for you, right? It's and- really interesting you mentioned business drivers there, mm-hmm. not technical religion of, yeah. oh, I like this shiny object. Yeah, yeah I mean, it- I don't think that um, technology decisions should be based on, I don't know a better word for it, fashion um, or- um, <laughs> That's the perfect word for it. Things that you you know, right? There are things that you don't know that may be uh, a good fit, not a good fit, a better fit, right? So we wanna make sure that people understand the full art of the possible. Mm-hmm. relative to what they have today. And then we can help guide the investments in the right ways that enable them to, to, to optimize for tomorrow because and future-proof tomorrow because the world is hybrid. But, you know, I don't believe, and you're going to ask me probably, oh, where do you see mainframes in five years? They're still going to be there. 
Um, and I'm don't, not. Don't jump ahead. Don't jump ahead. <laughs> yeah. We've got another six or seven minutes before we get to that question. No? Yeah. But, you know, the world is hybrid. The world is this and that. And you got to understand what you have mm -hmm. first before you pursue your future state. So maybe let's maybe let's go a bit more personal. We, as I say, we try and sort of get that story arc of, mm -hmm. of the careers of the guests on the show here. So let's tell our listeners and viewers kind of a little bit more about you, your perspective. And I'm going to lead up to a question to go back and ask you about what what you would say to your younger self. So you're, you've got the opportunity to go back. I've invented this new time machine that enables you to go back to your 22-year-old self and impart two or three pieces of advice that would inform your career. So what going would back, they be? Go, going back a couple of years, you mean? Yeah, it's only a couple of years for you, Lisa. But, you know, it's, maybe, maybe it's not as useful as it would be for me, but just a couple of years back to just when you finished college. I believe that there's certain qualities that you need uh, to kind of create a, a, a compelling, uh, a fulfilling and inspiring professional life. And mm -hmm. one of them is curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, if you have curiosity combined with integrity uh, and combined with resiliency, another way of saying it is you are bulldoggedly pursuing what, what you believe you want to pursue, then I think when you meet failures in your professional career and you fall down, if you have those intrinsically in you, you'll pick yourself up and continue pursuing it. Yeah. Just so, so maybe let's drill down a little. I mean, curiosity. Yep. I mean, as you can tell, I'm a book reader. I'm here in front of my bookshelves. Um, I'm always kind of consuming content and reading stuff online. What does that look like for you? What does that curiosity manifest itself as? Well, um, I was very curious um, when I was asked to join two and a half years ago to run the mainframe <laughs> line of business. That was all about curiosity on my part. You know, yeah. hmm, it's not something that I've done before. Um, I can see that there is a, an ad addressable market need. And I could learn something. Mm -hmm. So I pursued that. For me, it's all about growth. My ability to grow the business, grow myself, grow my wealth. It, it, those three things have to exist for me to, to find something compelling. But, you know, outside of, outside of my, my day to day, my curiosity might manifest in I'm walking down the streets of Chicago and I'm looking up at the sky and I'm and I'm tuning in all the noises tuning out all the noises around me, imagining what it would sound like, what it would look like in 10, 15 years. Um, maybe I stumble upon um, a technology that I don't know much about. I'll just dive in on my free time and, and pick it apart and understand it like that. That's what I was doing as a kid. You know, I took something, I took it apart and put it back together just to, just to do it because I was curious about it. <laughs> yeah. And the second one I want to double click on, you mentioned resiliency, uh -huh. great mainframe word. Um, what does that mean in the sort of context of your personal career? Well, I think it's overcoming obstacles. 
mm-hmm. in a sense, right? Um, you might often find, and this is not just in the mainframe world, but you may often find yourself in scenarios where you're you're collaborating with people or trying to collaborate with people and you are faced with, well, this is how we've always done it. Um, and I think you have to have the resiliency to push through it and find ways to help people maybe find some curiosity of their own. And th- that can be, um, that can be sometimes difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Because, because you're, you're trying to convince somebody to step out of their comfort zone. Um, and when you're busy in your day to day and, and you, you don't feel like you can take a lot of risk, it can be hard, right? So that resiliency, but overall, I think it's adaptability is another way of saying it. If you can adapt to conditions, if you can adapt to new technology, you can adapt to new ways of thinking, you can adapt to things that go bonk in the night, and then you figure out how to, uh, how to, you know, how to turn that into a positive or at least something that doesn't become a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm talking about. And that, that really doesn't apply just to technology, obviously, or the mainframe, but you have to have that. As we draw to a close here, I want to take you back to a comment you made a couple of minutes ago. You're walking down the streets of Chicago. You're looking up into the sky. You're imagining what the world's going to be like. I'm going to maybe put a bit more constraint on that and ask you to do that in the context of the mainframe. But give me your view of where you see this platform, say, four or five years out. I'm not talking about the next release. I'm not talking about Z17. I'm talking maybe a little bit further out than that, a little bit foggier on the horizon. Where do you where do you see the mainframe? Well, I see the mainframe still being a very relevant platform. Um, is it going to be relevant for every single industry, every single organization? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but certainly for some, mm-hmm. because of the characteristics that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not it's going to morph into something and we won't call it a mainframe or even Z anymore, who knows? But I just know that because of the use cases that this particular system serves so well, I don't see those use cases going away, right? So either, either the other systems evolve in a completely different way than we can perceive now, or the mainframe evolves in terms of making it easier, easier and easier to consume, to interact with, you know, all of those kinds of things. I think that the use cases themselves will be here. And I think, and I know some of our clients certainly see the mainframe in the foreseeable future. I think that's a fantastic way to wrap things up here. Lisa, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Really fantastic perspectives. I think always good to get somebody who's relatively new to being a mainframer on the show. So thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Stephen. I enjoyed it. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much for listening. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to I Am A Mainframer. Liked what you heard? Subscribe to get every episode or watch us online at openmainframeproject.org. Until next time, this is the I Am A Mainframer podcast. Insights for today's mainframe professionals.